Wow, that was uh, that was a great video. Um, well, I guess we can just go home now. I already had church this morning. Man, Spence, Spence and the band, they do such an amazing job. I, I really enjoyed that. And then um, I, I can't think of anybody better than JT putting together videos, and I know he had help with that. But just a, just a vision that we have uh, for these. To, and, man, what a great day to be in church. I um, just want to welcome you this morning. I am Darren Roberts. I am the Connections Pastor here at Cross Point. This is your first time visiting us. Uh, I just want to thank you for for coming and trying us out for this time. If you don't, if you don't mind, if you can fill out this Connect card in front of you, there, there will be one in front of your seat. Just fill that out, and after service, if you could drop that off at our welcome desk over here, we we have a team that would love to connect you with the church. Uh, just want to send you a letter that says thank you for trying this out, answer any questions that you may have, and again, we just want to thank you for visiting today. I do not think it was an accident. I don't believe in that. Uh, Pastor David, obviously, I'm not Pastor David. Uh, he is at the Madison campus down in Madison, Florida this morning, giving them a word. Uh, later on, he is heading out to Dominican Republic with Pastor Michael and Pastor Ross. They're heading there for a week. We'll be back next Saturday, which we will launch a new series called Seasons. Seasons. And so uh, I'm looking forward to see what God does through that. Ladies, ladies, Tuesday, what was that? <laughs> I'm married. Uh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> It's going to be one of those days. Uh, Tuesday night, Tuesday night, we have Flourish, and this is our Friends Giving version of Flourish. I forgot what they called it. It's some catchy name. Um, what is it called? Flourish Giving. Flourish Giving. And it's going to be a night to share uh, dessert and coffee with other ladies, uh, friends. If you don't have friends like here, this is a great time for you to connect and meet new people. Um, if you've been on the fence and you've heard Flourish over and over again, it's going to be a great night for you to hop off that fence and try it out. Bring a friend or bring a stranger, uh, but I think it's going to be a great time for you. There will be child care from birth to, uh, let me check this, fifth grade. Um, and again, it's going to be an awesome night of fellowship. And uh, looking forward to seeing you there. The, the doors will open at 6 p.m., and that's this Tuesday night. Um, secondly, Operation Christmas Child, you see all these shoe boxes these, these, uh, and, and the decorations and stuff. This is something we're doing this year for the first, uh, first time in a long time as a church, and, and this is the last week. Pay attention. This is the last week that you can grab a box from us. All right, we need those boxes back next week with gifts and stuff in them. They'll give you information at the desk. Uh, I know this is probably the service that college kids attend. So if you need those hours for volunteering, you can get hours for every box that you bring in. And so if, you, if you're interested in that, you can see me. I'll give you details on that. But next week will be the last week we can take those up as a church because we have to get them shipped out. So, uh, and these, these aren't just presents that you're giving to the kids. They actually receive a gospel message. They're, they're, the, the, the gift is practical, and it's something that sometimes these kids, this may be the first gift they get, but it's also maybe the first time they ever heard the gospel. So it's an awesome way for us as a church to kind of have a, a long reach into the world and show the love of Christ. And, and then the last thing, we have Adopt the Box coming up. And if you're new here, for the last five years, 
every Thanksgiving, we, we've been doing boxes of food for people along with frozen turkeys. And um, it's been pretty awesome. Um, and so over the years, we have successfully fed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of families. Due to your generosity, it's been pretty awesome. Um, and here's how you can continue to help us uh, reach those in this city. That's who we're helping out. Those in our church and in our community um, is after church, there, is a, there should be a packing list at our uh, about the box location. If we run out of those, then we have that list online. You go to our Crosspoint Cross Point, uh, Facebook page and look at the list there. Um, but if you can grab that packing list, go out, take your kids this week shopping with you. Um, it's a great time to teach them um, about what we're doing and how we're helping those in this community. And, uh, and I know as a church, I know as a church, we probably could write a check and, and buy all the food and the turkeys and everything that we needed to. But there's something, about, there's something about getting you involved and you putting a little sweat equity, fighting that traffic. I, I believe this personally. You're fighting that traffic. Maybe your kids are having a bad day and, you're, and it's the stress of bringing the kids in, but then y'all are putting together this box um, that you're teaching them. You're teaching them that it's worth it and that there's those that are in need that we can help out. And I just think that is just a great lesson to teach our children um, and those close to us so we can be an example of what the hands and feet of Christ look like. We need those supplies back next week. Uh, again, that list is back there. And if, if you're, we'll take gift cards to Winn-Dixie. That's, that's who we partner with. Winn-Dixie helps us offset the cost. So a gift card in any amount, in any item you can get off that list for, for Adopt the Bots helps out. So don't think that you can't help because I promise you every little bit helps. And so today we're going to finish our series, New Life. And we've been going through the book of Ephesians. And, and during this series, we've learned that because of Christ, we are, we are no longer who we used to be. Praise God. Uh, we've learned what it means to be alive in Christ, that we were created and saved for a purpose, that we are part of a family, we are part of a faith family, that God has a, a plan of reconciliation and purpose uniting his people, and that through reconciliati- uh, reconciliation and unity and that purpose as a body of Christ, we are called to make him known. So this week I get the privilege of closing out the series by teaching you how to be rooted and grounded in love. And so I'm gonna give you a second. If you could turn your Bibles to Ephesians, we're gonna be reading from Ephesians chapter three, starting at verse 14, we'll go through 21. So if you don't mind, let's just stand for reading God's word. And Paul says right here, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth his name, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that you, I'm sorry, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You can be seated. 
God, I just, I come to you right now, Lord, and I am so grateful. I'm grateful for salvation, God. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to speak today, God. I, I ask you, Lord, to, to speak through me to our people here, God. Lord, I ask that eyes, ears, and hearts be open, Lord, that you have a word for every single person in here today, God. Lord, I ask that you challenge us, God, to, to, to look at where we're at on our journey of becoming rooted and what it means to, to step out of the shallows, Lord, and moving into a deeper relationship with you, what that looks like, Lord, and where we're at in that journey and, and where do we need to go, Lord. God, I ask you to be with our people as, we, as I teach, God, as we go out through our week. In your name, amen. You know, this passage that we just read, this is a prayer from Paul. You know, um, this, this, this part of the passage is also a pivotal point in Ephesians. So, so the first part of Ephesians that we've been going through is more of a theological. So it's more of a theological section of Ephesians. Moving forward, we're going to go more into um, the practical instruction for the Christians and, and, for, and for the church to live out their faith. And so this this is right in the middle of that. This is a transitional passage. This is a pivotal passage. So I just want to take a look at a few things Paul is praying in this passage. And let's dive a little, dip, a little bit deeper so hopefully we can have a little bit better understanding on how we may walk out our faith in a way that honors and pleases God. And so we're going to start at verse 14. I think the first, uh, the first we're going to go from 14 to 18. And uh, just going to kind of briefly go through this, and and Paul says again, for this reason, I bow my knees. So Paul is in prayer here. That's all all it means. Paul is on his knees. He is praying. All right, goes on to say that, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened, all right? Strengthened with the power through his spirit and the inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. So we're strengthened so that Christ can dwell in our hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love, are again, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. And this is what's pretty cool here. What is the breadth and the length and height and depth? So the Apostle Paul is praying here that the church, that us as Christians, be strengthened. That Christ may dwell within us, within the church, and that the foundation and growth of that is rooted in love. So in the end, these all work off of each other. God's strengthening the presence of Christ in us and, the, and all that being founded on love are inseparable. Any of these requires the other two. So Paul is praying that the church, that we as a church, that as Christians, we can get to a place that we can comprehend Christ's love for us. And it's not that Christ's love can even be measured. And it's, and it's limits determined. Rather, the Apostle Paul prays at the church that we will come to know the infinite reach of this, of this love in all directions. Remember, Philippians 4, 7 says, in the peace of God that, that transcends all understandings. Other versions say, exceeds all understanding or surpasses all understanding. Regard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, so when we get to a place that we have a love that surpasses all understanding, then we'll be at a place where we comprehend with the saints what is the, what is the breadth and the length and the height 
and the depth of Christ's love. Cross point, this is why we worship. This is why we gather as a faith family. This is why we fellowship. The whole life of the church is about this. It's about community. And what's the, what's the opposite of community? It's isolation. It's walking through our faith by ourselves. That's not what God has designed us for. I know maybe, maybe in your private time when you're doing your devotionals or in your prayer time or, or when you're studying God's word that you're coming to a knowledge of this love, like you have a knowledge of it, you read about it, you, you, you maybe see other people, what, what God has done in other people's lives, but it's only when we gather as a community, serving in the church, right, life groups, life groups are so important local missions, international missions, when we, when we take part in those things, that's when we start to experience the love of Christ, all right? So we have a knowledge of Christ, and we move from a knowledge to an experience. And that experience will show us both the love Christ has for us and the love we should demonstrate to others. And that means showing love to others that maybe sometimes are hard for us to love. Anybody got that person in their life? Hey, first service, they were so holy. You know, I was the only one up, I was standing by myself. I'm like, hey, I guess I'm the only one. It's my kids. It's my kids, you know. <laughs> I'm joking. I love them so much. You know, they're, they're angels. Never mess up. Um, but God's called us to love those who are hard to love. And this leads us to the next verse. Paul goes on to say, verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses, remember we're talking about that, surpasses our understanding. It's just, it's amazing that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So when you arrive to that place where you can start showing the love to others that Christ showed to you, you're gonna be filled with all the fullness of God. In a way, the result of knowing that love of Christ is being filled with the, love, the fullness of God is that we become a light to the world they see Christ in us, and so we are not simply filled with God's fullness as something to make us feel satisfied and content, so it's not for us, all right? We don't, we don't reach this, this plateau, and it's not like, hey, I have arrived. It's, it's God has poured into us, and he has is, he is demonstrated his love for us so that we demonstrate that love to others. We start seeing the world the same way that God sees the world. And this way we come to know the love which surpasses knowing. We begin to know what is beyond knowing. How wonderful that is, that thought. And Paul closes this out. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power of work within us, to whom be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. It's a cross point. God has so much more for our lives than we could ever imagine. And I think sometimes as Christians, especially here in the, in the Bible Belt, here in the South, look, uh, I hope you guys know me enough by now. You know, I love you. I love this church. I love this community. I love living in this area. And I don't think anyone knows, anyone that knows me thinks that 
I take joy in maybe calling out some actions or attitudes we may, we may get from time to time. So give me just a little bit of grace on what I'm about to say. I think sometimes as Christians, especially here in the Bible Belt, we can get the attitude that we've arrived. You know, we, we say that prayer, we get baptized, we come to church on Sundays, we even drop a $20 bill in the plate, and then we wash, rinse, and repeat. We come Sunday after Sunday thinking that's enough to grow deeper in our faith, all the while disregarding Monday through Saturday. And I think this quote by C.S. Lewis sums this thought up perfectly. C.S. Lewis says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. Isn't that true? Isn't that true about us, that, that we are far too easily pleased with our walk with Christ, that maybe we fail to see or comprehend what God has for us? Because I'm telling you, he has so much more. That maybe we are fearful, fearful of taking that next step you know, going deeper, going into deeper waters can be scary. I, I know that. Going deeper in our relationships, relationships with Christ and with others, it takes more work. It's time consuming. But we cannot expect to be content with staying where we are with our relationship with Christ if we were ever hope, if we were ever to hope to walk in the fullness of Christ. Now, my wife. My wife would say that I am a pretty boring guy at the house. I, I, she says my shows are really boring that I watch. I, I'm a big YouTube fan. Um, that's, that's, that's about all I watch anymore, um, that football. But I, 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 if you heard me preach last time, you know I like fast cars. I just don't like, I mean, I drive a minivan, but I live through the videos. You know, you line up against me at a red light in town, I will take you down with that little minivan. I will embarrass you. It's on its last leg, though, so I don't know how much longer I can do that. I'll be walking pretty soon. But I love watching shows about cars. Um, I, I love watching shows, you know, these shows on YouTube about science. You know, I, I, Smarter Every Day is one of my favorite little channels, and, and it's a great show. It's, it's all about physics, and, and they film stuff in super slow motion so you can figure out how things work. And, and, and my wife just rolls her eyes at me. I love Bob Ross. Who, I love Bob Hey, we got some Bob Ross. It's the older crowd. I love Bob Ross. Now, my wife would tell you that I watched Bob Ross to make her mad. And I'm telling you, I legitimately love Bob Ross. It's something about coming home from work or, or having a long week at work. And he's a, he's a soothing voice, doesn't he? You know, it's just so soothing. So soothing. You know, paint a little cloud here. And look, we need to put a little tree right here. And, Oh, the tree needs a friend. Let's, let's paint a little friend for the tree. Oh, look at that. Oh, I, well, there's no mistakes, only happy accidents. <laughs> only happy accidents. I love that. I love that. What a great attitude. 
You know, he has a squirrel. Does, does anybody know the name of, of his squirrel? Peapot. Oh, that's, you're my daughter. You know that. You watch it with me. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. Peapod the pocket squirrel. Peapod the pocket. And that little squirrel run around his neck and goes into his pocket. And he was, he's a happy little squirrel, you know, uh, which none of this has anything to do with my sermon, by the way. I just took you down a journey. I just took you down a journey that uh, I'm, I'm trying to recover from. I'm boring. That's what I'm trying to say. But uh, for a while in my life, you know, uh, a while back, I, I really wanted to take up hiking. And I got interested in watching these, uh, these uh, documentaries on people hiking these through hikes, the Appalachian Trail, the Continental Divide Trail, which runs from like uh, New Mexico up to Canada, and then, and then the Pacific uh, Crest Trail, again, runs from the Mexican border up to uh, Canada. These are just awesome through hikes, take anywhere between six to nine months, uh, depending what kind of shape you're in, what time of season you go, and, and and so this is super interesting. I love watching those documentaries and, and, and thinking like, maybe, maybe one day I can do that. And just realizing, David ain't let me off of work for six months. I mean, he's like, hey, David, I'd let me take six months off. And then my wife, she ain't let me off. She, she said, you're not gonna get that lucky. You're not taking six months off from this family. You know, she needs my help. Um, but I watched this documentary a couple years ago that kind of sowed this seed to me. It was called Mile, Mile and a Half. And if you haven't seen it, it's a pretty cool documentary about some friends getting together and they're walking what's called the John Muir Trail. And they start, and it starts in Yosemite, the typical trail if you go southbound, starts in Yosemite National Park. And then moves south and, and a lot of people, they end up hiking uh, and summiting Mount Whitney, which is the, the tallest mountain in the continental United States. So it's a pretty epic hike. It takes about 19 to 20 days, 220 something miles. Um, and and so I started thinking, wait a second, all right, so down the road, I probably can, I can probably do this hike. What other hikes can I do that maybe, maybe between six to 10 days? And, and I started thinking about, about nine years ago, my brother and I took my dad on a father-son trip to Yellowstone and to the Grand Tetons. It was an epic trip. It was really awesome to be able to spend time with my father and my brother. So I started looking at hikes in that area, and um, it turns out there's something called the Teton Crest Trail. So, it's a 40-mile hike and, or 36, depending on which way you enter the trail. Um, and so I started planning for this hike. And I told my wife, hey, I'm going to go hike this trail. I'm going to do it by myself. And she goes, you're not going to hike by yourself. She had all these reasons why I cannot go by myself in the wilderness. And she said, you have to take a friend. So I took a friend, and we started planning this hike. And we're looking, we're watching video after video. We're, we're calling each other. We're saying, hey, did you see this? What kind of gear are you getting? We're building up and, and we're looking at weather patterns and we're, you know, we're just doing all these things in preparation and expectation. And you see these videos of people hiking the same place we're going. So we're picking out, all right, so the first day we're gonna try to get to this point. We're gonna, we're gonna camp here. We're, hey, we need to call them. We make sure we get the best campground, you know. And all these things we're doing, preparing for this hike. You know, my, again, my wife thinks I'm crazy. She, you know, she's like, where you use the bathroom at? And I'm like, outside. I'm out. I would never do that. What is wrong with you? Where's it? They got any targets out there? No, no target, no malls. It's just, it's just the outdoors. God put us together because we're we're so opposite. Um, but it makes for it makes for great, a great relationship. It really does. So like I said, we're, we're watching video after video. We're looking at trail maps and learning this route. We're, we're learning about bear safety, which is pretty important. 
when you hike out west, you're in the Tetons and, and, and Wyoming and Yellowstone area. They're, they're grizzly bear and they're black bears. And so you have to learn basically how to identify the bears, what, you know, what their behaviors are. It's pretty important stuff. And I remember uh, I have a buddy, Steve Plymouth, who goes to church here. Steve, Steve dropped off a book for me called Death in Yellowstone. And I thought it was a fascinating book. It's like every way you can die in Yellowstone. And this is awesome. Like people, people are stupid. Let me tell you, like taking selfies by a geyser and falling, I mean, there's some terrible ways to die in Yellowstone. And of course, my wife sees the book and she reads through all the bear attacks and, uh, and then she's just all worried. And I'm like, no, look, I'm faster than my buddy. We'll be okay. You know, I'll, I'll kick him you know, and I'll go get help. Um, all the research, all this research in the world and me preparing for this trip is nothing compared to actually going out there. You see, I had a knowledge, a great knowledge about the area, what to expect, what to pack, what to eat, what to wear. And that knowledge came in handy, but again, the knowledge of the Tetons and my hike was nothing compared to the experience in the Tetons and my hike. So let me ask you something. What good would it have been to have all that knowledge and stay at home? There was something more. It's pretty awesome. I took those pictures there's something more. Those pictures you just saw, I mean, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. But they can't capture, can't capture quite, quite what I experienced. You, know, you see that and you have a knowledge of what the Tetons look like. You have a knowledge of where I was at. But you don't have the experience. I do. I was there. I put on that pack, way too heavy pack. I'll learn better next time. That's, that's the thing about hiking. You learn what you don't need. And believe me, I took a lot of stuff I did not need. So I put on that pack. I stepped out into the back country. I smelled the wildflowers. I felt the breeze on my cheek. I can still, I can still feel that. I was the one sweating and hurting, pushing myself uphill. At times, I was only able to put one foot in front of the other, you know, sometimes like, what in the world am I thinking? I will never do this again. And you take that step, and you're like, all right, maybe I can make this. And um, it's something I would never, I would never give up. That was just a great feeling. I felt the cold. I jumped in Lake Solitude. It's a cold I never felt in my life, an experience like none other. I heard a large animal come through our campground at 2 a.m. You didn't. I did. Woke me up. My buddy's in his own tent. James, James, did you hear that? Yeah, man, heard it. What do you think that was? I don't know. I think it had hooves, though. Okay, hooves. hooves. That's a good thing, right? I mean, <laughs> hooves, Yeah. You want to check it out? Nope. All right, I'm going to check it out because I will not sleep. You know, put my headlamp on. I'm unzipping. It, don't, it wasn't a bear. If it had been a bear and wanted to eat me, I'm just a snicker bar inside the wrapper. You know, a tent is not going to protect you. But you think it's like being a kid. You had that dream. You put the covers over your head. You think like there's a murderer there going to get you and the covers save you. That tent is just a wrapper. You're the main course. 
Um, but I felt that. I had that fear of, and it wound up being a deer. So what's the point? What is the point you're making, Darren? Get to it. Like I said earlier, I had a knowledge before I went on this trip. But man, the encounter changed me in some ways, in ways all this studying and the knowledge in the world couldn't do. I had to go experience it. Now, being the good Baptist that I am, I got three points to this sermon. You can write this down. Three ways we grow deeper in our walk with Christ. So three ways we grow deeper in our walk with Christ. Not to say they're not four reasons or five reasons, just to say I'm Baptist and we only know the number three. Always the number three with the Baptist. First of all, point one, we grow deeper vertically. We grow deeper vertically. So our vertical relationship with Christ is foundational to our spiritual growth. So I've been talking about knowledge, and now it looks almost like, hey, you're saying you need, and you need the knowledge, and that's what I am saying, but it's not only knowledge. We gotta grow in our faith with Christ. Let's look at the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter six. Hebrews chapter six, verse one says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. I like how the message puts this. Uh, it's not gonna be on the screen, so just listen. The message sometimes is pretty blunt, and I like it, but it says, so come on. Let's leave the preschool finger-painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truths are in place, turning your back on salvation by self-help and turning in trust toward God. So the question is, how do we grow vertically in our relationship with Christ? First of all, we pray, right? We, we have to have a prayer life. And prayer is, prayer is it's just a conversation. When you boil it down to, to the essence of what it is, prayer is a conversation between you and God. That's all it is. See, the key of a conversation doesn't mean that one way, right? Conversations are bilinear. Sometimes God, when we're praying, just wants us to hush up and listen. What is he saying to us? What is he telling us? Do we ever slow down in our prayer life to listen? Or are we just thanking God for what we have and what we need and praying for the help of others Do we ever stop and ponder what God is trying to tell us? So that's one way we can grow vertically. Second way we can grow vertically is reading our Bible. These are biblical, like these are just great principles that, that I think most of us know, but reading our Bible. Now personally, with, with my Bible reading, I do something that's called the Life Journal. And, and there's so many different reading plans you can do. Uh, and if you've got the Bible app, there's like for any, any situation you're going through, they have a devotion that you can do, but... But for me, I've been doing a life journal for years, and it takes you through the Bible in one year. Um, and then what I like about it is the fact that I keep a journal. That's why it's called Life Journal. Uh, but they, they have an acronym there, SOAP, SOAP Methods, which stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And so before I read, I'm just trying to give you some practical tips. I'm not, I'm not super holy man here. 
I'm just telling you what I do that helps me in my spiritual journey. Um, but what, before I read, I do pray, and I ask God to, to speak to me through his word. Like, Lord, what do you have for me today? What are you trying to say to me today? And I, and I read my passages, and, and it never fails that there's something, there's something, some nuggets in there in my reading. So I write that down. That's my scripture. And then, and then what, is, what is that saying? What is, so what, God gave me a scripture. So what is that scripture saying? So that's the observation here comes the tough part. It's like, all right, I, I have the scripture. I know what it says. How am I going to apply this to my life? I think that's a lot of times that's where we, where we kind of check out, like, because that's work. That means we have to change. That means that, that maybe God's shaping and molding this, pruning this, and, and that's not always a comfortable place to be. But it's the application, and a lot of times my prayer is, Lord, help me apply this to my life. Um, and so that's just a simple, that's just a simple thing that, that we need to, 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 I would encourage you, if you don't have a regular, like, reading your Bible and, and getting into God's Word, that you do that, um, it's, it's pretty important. Another way we can, we can get closer to God vertically is, is through fasting. It's through fasting, and, and, and I'm not going to go deep into what fasting is, but it, it is, from for many people, it's a removal of food for a certain amount of time, and, and there's different levels. Some people go liquid, and some people do water only. Some people like, well, I'll do one meal a day. But the idea of the fasting is to block out the noise of life and spend that set amount of period, that time frame that you set up, whether it's a day or a week or, or whatever, that you are going to be intentional about your walk with God, and you are going to press in and see what God has for you. And let me encourage you with something. If you are at a crossroads in your life, if you are in an area of discouragement, if you're in a place where you, you have decisions to be making, if you fast, if you pray and fast and read your Bible, I promise you, and you're intentional about it, God is going to speak to you. He is going to, he is going to direct you and guide your steps. But it takes that work. It takes that intentionality to do that. Our second point is we can grow deeper horizontally. Growing deeper horizontally is all about our faith family. This right here, the worship, our gathering, life groups. If you're not in a life group, get in a life group. Try them out. I promise you, being a part of the community is is important. Missions, all those things. Because we were not meant to walk out our faith alone. You know, in Hebrews 10, 24, 25, it says, let us consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up on meeting together, right? Galatians 6, 2 says, bear one another's burdens. We are not meant to walk out our faith alone. John 10, 10, I dispute this is the mission statement of Satan and the mission statement of Jesus. Jesus says that thief comes to what? Steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. Now, Peter talks about this when he says, Satan prowls like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. You ever watch those shows that uh, like the, the lions are hunting the zebras? I love those. <laughs> I do. You know, the new ones nowadays, they edit out the kill. They don't, they don't show you the kill. I guess we're softened up as a, as a society, but when I was growing up, as a little kid, you got to see everything, you know? You're, you're having a meal, a snack. The lions, they're going after the zebras, the wolves, stalking a bison. 
What do they do? How do they hunt? They seek out the weakest of the prey, and they isolate it. And sometimes maybe that prey is isolated itself. Maybe that prey is too weak to continue on with the herd. Maybe it's, maybe it's a new, like a newborn, but it's the weakest. And those lions and the wolves, they will, they will pick out the weakest. And as soon as that, there's enough separation between the prey and the herd, it goes in for the kill. No chance. No chance. And that's us, folks. That's us. When you isolate yourself, you're right where Satan wants you. He'll tell you you're the only one dealing with the problems you have, that no one else is dealing with what you have. You're the only person in the history of this world got the same problems that you have. That's a lie from the enemy, and you're a fool if you believe it. He wants you isolated. Bear one another's burdens. Lean on others. We're not meant to do this alone. The third way we grow deeper in our walk with Christ is by reproducing ourselves. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 16, it's like, go therefore, make disciples. The, the, the great commission, right? We go therefore, make disciples. We, we spend time growing vertically in our relationship with Christ, and then we start producing ourselves in others. So we take the time to help others grow in their faith. Let's look what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2. So 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. Paul says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God has given you. Gives you in Jesus Christ. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. This is, a, this is a perfect picture of what discipleship looks like. Let's take a look. Jesus, Jesus is, I'm sorry, Paul. Paul is telling, um, Paul is telling Timothy, I've taught you. Now you go teach others so that others can go teach others. Like, like just, this is Jesus' uh, leadership development program, if you will. Like, this is, this is about developing others. When that happens, the world is reached. When we, when we take the time to pour into others as we've been poured into, the world will be reached. And look, I, I can go on and on and on with Scripture after Scripture on how we can grow in our faith and why it's important. That we don't sell it, settle for just a knowledge, but we seek the experience you know, if you're, if you're not growing in your faith, if you, if you will look back on your life in Christ and there hasn't been much change in your life, if you're not producing much fruit, and maybe you don't even know that, but ask, ask people close to you, what do you see in me? Do you see growth? Now, I am not perfect. I am, I'm nowhere near where I need to be, but I am nowhere near who I used to be. In, in my life, God has grown me, taken things off me, my wife would tell you, yeah, he ain't perfect, but he, God has done a work in his life. So if that's not you, if there hasn't been growth, 
don't know. Have you ever been on vacation, sitting by the pool? You got the pool and you got the kiddie pool, and there's like some guy sitting in the kiddie pool. It's kind of weird, right? If you're a parent, you're kind of like, hmm, why are you in the kiddie pool? Don't you know what goes on in the kiddie pool? There's a reason why the kiddie pool is warmer. It's because it's shallow. Not because the kids peed it. Y'all thought I was going to say that. It's because it's shallow. Shallow. God is calling us to grow deeper in our faith. Step out of the shallows into deeper waters. I'm going to close with this. If, if there's, if there can be any there can be many reasons why your relationship with Christ, maybe, maybe it is just a limit to a Sunday morning experience. It doesn't have to be that way. God has so much more for your life. He has so much more for you. He wants you to experience his love that surpasses all knowledge. So moving from a place of knowing who God is, like you know, to knowing who God is by experiencing his grace and his mercy and trusting in the things he has for you because they are so much better and wonderful than you could ever imagine. Stop settling for a life that is less than when God has a life of abundance for you. And all you have to do is step out in faith. When I say abundance, I'm not talking about his prosperity gospel, right? That's That's not the point I'm making. God has a life of abundance for you life to the full. So when you put a limit on your relationship with God and settle for the knowledge of who he is, it's kind of like me watching a hiking video, studying the maps, reading up on the weather, the wildlife, but never stepping foot on a trail. Never experiencing it. And let me tell you something, church. This is from personal experience. The encounter is always worth the journey.